Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 314. Um, I'm joined this week by May Martin. It's it's a great chat. I really enjoyed this. Thank you all for tuning in, by the way, and thank you for all the love for recent episodes. Um, I had a bonus episode on Friday with comedian Rich Wilson, and that went down an absolute treat. But a couple of weeks ago, I had Michael Cashman on, and the reaction to that podcast is just continuing to be insane. Michael Cashman was on. I wanted to get that podcast out in February because it's it's LGBT um, plus History Month, and Michael Cashman is a key figure in the UK for LGBT uh, law changes, perception, everything. So if you missed that one, seriously go back and give it a look. You might not be aware of who Michael Cashman is, but it will blow your mind. Um, I mean, it's also good that May Martin is sneaking in as the last guest of February, uh, which has said is LGBT History Awareness Month, because she's got a great new show called Feel Good that covers some LGBT topics. I mean, you'll hear about it as we discuss it, because they're really... In fact, you'll also hear... I've done this once or twice in the past, but and people will have have moaned so i want to explain <laughs> in the intro this podcast is 100 percent a safe place for discussion on all topics without question of or without attack for asking questions or being curious but when i have someone on i don't know yet and may is that person i'm a big fan of her it was lovely to hear that she, that she was a fan of the podcast and it was kind of a mutual excitement about coming on but because of that, if if we're discussing stuff like LGBT r- r- rights and de- depression and addiction and these heavy subjects, I'll often pose a question and then before the guest can answer, I'll give my view on it kind of thing. And that may sound weird and arrogant, but the reason for that is it's a genuine approach I use that seems to work. And it, I think it worked wonderfully in this episode. It's to make the guest feel comfortable talking about their views on it. If you're just... If they're not familiar with the podcast or familiar with the comfort and relaxation and the ability to go back and forth and have a discussion and a debate on a sensitive subject, if it's someone you've never met, if they ask you a big question or a heavy topic or heavy subject, you know, you might not feel comfortable really getting into it or responding. So as said, a, a, a technique I've used in the past that works well and I think works well here is to be the the first one to <laughs> jump on that grenade as such you know to put my kind of view out there and allow them to to counter it or agree or whatever else um and yeah i just wanted to kind of explain that in advance cuz i don't do it loads but i know that when it's a bigger subject i'll do that as a kind of and it's a caution i'm fucking nervous about talking about things in the modern day and age where people get cancelled for asking a question and stuff like that but um anyway i'm rambling on a lot now it's a wonderful chat and it's actually really relaxed i'm making it sound as if it was super tense it's considering it's someone i've never met it's one of the most relaxed um i've been and we've been it was a really good chat and it felt as if we could have chatted for ages i've been a fan of may's comedy for a while now and i got to preview her show feel good which is on Channel 4 in March, and it blew me away. But you'll hear about all of that. Um, I'll tell you quickly before I go, next week's guest is Neve Algar, which is worth mentioning because May Martin's new show is a a Channel 4 show. I became exposed to to Neve Algar in two Channel 4 shows, The Bisexual, which interestingly we talk about in this episode, but more so The Virtues which quite rightfully won a shed load of awards last year. Um, So yeah, that's next week's guest. But for now, let's have a listen. I'm not even going to do any of my usual plugs. I'm not going to mention speechdevelopmentrecords.com. I'm not going to mention that I've got a new glow-in-the-dark vinyl um, of the Distraction Pieces album available there. And I'm not going to mention patreon.com slash scroobiuspip because I want to get into the episode. So this is episode 304. 14 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with May Martin. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. 
excited. we're going. Great. It's all happening. Hello, I'm, I'm here today with May Martin. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. How, nice to finally meet you. Yes, and you. I've been enjoying your stuff for a long while. and That's so nice. Uh, Thank you. Ditto, ahead, ditto. Excellent. And, and, and ahead of this chat, I got sent um, some preview links of your new show, Feel Good. And often you'll kind of go, I'll try and watch a couple of episodes and get it kind of started. But... I smashed through the whole series no and way. loved it. I thought it was really good. So, uh, I really hope that people binge it, so that's good. I, yeah. I think it works best binged. Completely. So uh, last night, as we recalled this, you had kind of the first public screenings of it. Yeah. How was that? Because it is, and we'll get into it, but it is, it's personal. Yeah. And even regardless of any personalness, anything that is your creation, it's yeah. so much work b- before... There's any confirmation that it's good? Yeah, man. It's been yeah. Because so the first time you get it in the public, it must be nerve wracking and exciting totally at the same yeah. Because it was a, a, a five year process really, and we made a pilot wow. years ago that went in the bin, and and uh, so for years we've just been working in this vacuum and hoping that what we're doing is good. So it was it was so scary, and then people laughed, and that was good, and um, yeah, I was absolutely breaking it though. I love it again. It's it's mad because. Particularly as a five-year process, and particularly if there were versions that got thrown out yeah. and stuff like that, it must be so hard to know yeah, if you're... it's funny. Any yeah. more so with comedy, with drama, I think it's probably easier to go right. We know we're getting these yeah. dramatic bits, but when there's comedy in there, you're so insulated, and the, by the time you've done ten takes of it, and then you've probably been watching edits and yeah. rushes and cuts. It must be really hard to tell totally. if, it, if there's laughs. So, and it's kind of a weird tone too. So yeah. we didn't know. We hoped that, like, we were really trying to make it like a, a, a comedy drama in the truest sense, where it's properly funny and then will suddenly be really sad. So, yeah. but you worry that then maybe maybe it's too sad and people won't get that it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. But luckily, I think I think there were big laughs. Hundred percent. And again, I think it's great that because I think. I think TV is evolving hugely at the moment, but I still think it's got a way to go at times and it can be really hard to get projects off the ground when they are in that grey area of real drama and comedy and all these things. Because, I mean, Channel 4 are one of my favourite companies out there, but I'm sure they've still got a comedy department and a drama department. Mm -hmm. So it starts to be, right, if it's not punchlines every 10 minutes, is it going to entice the comedy department and if yeah. it's too light is it going to entice the drama department it can be a real limbo of totally of development and i think i think um because it was a co-production with netflix and channel four yes. so i think that was helpful because netflix yeah. are all about the the drama and and so they were often their notes were about pushing the drama and then channel four were about the comedy so it was a good balance and and then yeah but it is interesting even like they're editing trailers together now and so it's interesting seeing what bits they choose and what yeah. tone they want to they think will attract people but i just hope people watch it yeah. it's, it's such a weird one on picking like i can't even imagine the process of trailers for yeah. a show like this because like with music it was always that weirdness of well we need to have a first single yeah but the single isn't going to represent the album if you're totally. doing anything a bit unusual so that must yeah. be tenfold with a series because it's Six episodes, there's so many ups and downs and changes in tone. So yeah, how's you, that been? Like if you go for the broadest joke, then people are, are going to think that's the tone. Yeah, yeah. it's really, it, yeah, it's a delicate balance. Yeah. Um, have you found that over the years in comedy as well? Because again, it's that kind of, as a comedian, you probably, my thought from seeing other comedians is you start out thinking, I want as many people there as possible because that's a yeah. good gig. And then you realise you want as many of the right people there yeah. as possible rather than just a full room and the Friday night, Saturday night comedy yeah. crowd might not necessarily be as enjoyable as a reasonably busy Wednesday night yeah. room of comedy fans. I think that's why I, I moved to England partly rather than the States because yeah. um, I'm from Canada and uh, I love how the – comedy scene structured here because of Edinburgh that yeah. people are totally up for listening to an hour and they're up for going on a, a thing that has kind of a narrative arc or yeah. or you don't have to have a, a insanely high gag ratio because the, the in the States, I mean, I think this is changing now with things like Nanette and things are be, yeah, hours are course. becoming and Netflix specials and things yeah. like that. 
But um, it used to be that you just polish a 20-minute club set and then you do that same set for a year and then you do a new one and and you're you're pushing for a late-night slot, which is like a five-minute thing, yeah. and I'm just terrible at that. It's such a discipline and a skill set I don't have. So yeah. I, I, I'm way more suited to like an hour of settling in, getting really – getting deep, you know. It's, it's mad and it's, it is an interesting one because if you're from the UK, you kind of – and into comedy at all – you know of how Edinburgh works and it all seems normal and natural, but every American I know that comes over to it, that, comedians what? or yeah. musicians or whatever, are like, what is this place? Like, what are you doing? You're yeah. retiring a new hour of material every year. Yeah. Going up, losing thousands of pounds. Like, it is a crazy system, but it's... It's, it's, it's one of the, 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 the most beautiful and heartbreaking things about it is the retiring an hour part yeah. of it is I'll go and see a show on the free fringe or wherever else and think... Oh man, there's there's such beauty and sorrow in the fact that that's the only time it might exist. Yeah, it might have it might be the best thing I've ever seen, but if you're not at that top level where it's being recorded for Netflix yeah. or whatever else, it existed there, and then a short run if you're lucky, maybe the Soho Theatre yeah. will pick it out for a couple of nights. But other than that, it exists there, and then it's gone. I know. I, God, I love it and hate that, it. I love it and hate it though, because that's that is beautiful as well. Yeah, I, it does trouble me that society now is so much on demand, and everyone yeah. wants to have access to everything. It's kind of nice that there are some things that are ephemeral like that, and also yeah. that like that live experience can yeah. be so pure. Like I, I'm thinking as you said that I'm like going through this rolodex of like religious experiences that I've had at the fringe watching amazing shows that I've, that will never be seen again like Dr. Yeah. Brown some yes. of those shows or John Kern some was, of his and Dr. Brown was was one of ones I'd always go and see when I was up there because yeah. yeah he's just you feel like you're really having an experience just with that audience and just with him that is just for who is in the room and it's it's one of the rare bits of comedy that isn't pretentious but it does feel like you're watching art as well yeah. you get to feel smug about yourself going well that was quite a that, that, yeah, was, that, yeah, was, that yeah. was quite a thing and it's like it's just yeah i've hilarious. grown as a person yeah and he's in my show it's yes the, yeah he plays the uh we wrote that part for him and named it phil because he's called phil burgers and just hoped that he'd do it and... i didn't even realize or recognize at all that's that's amazing yeah, yeah i've watched his dr <laughs> round stuff so, yeah. so many times and never that didn't click at all yeah he's this amazing face on camera and yeah because a lot of his comedy is silent he doesn't speak yeah. in it so yeah exactly it's amazing he's actually an incredible actor and he's yeah. he's yeah he's fantastic so this is kind of a three-tiered question i love that um <laughs> how how have you found it moving or getting across stand-up in the room to then doing a netflix special on the comedians of the world stuff and then putting it into a tv show so there's, it, it feels like three completely different arts and crafts there because there's so much that doesn't translate on a special. But then I guess if you've done that and felt that some stuff didn't translate, you then get to control it more as a as a fictional drama. But yeah. there is a lot of stand-up in, in the show still. So yeah. how are those three stages, I guess? I think you're right that they're connected. And definitely I, I did a – so I started with an hour-long show called Dope and then yeah. th- that – all those themes and stuff were – the ones that people seem to take to in a way they hadn't before with, with my comedy. And so that was exciting. And then that became the half hour special. So that was like trimming all the fat off it and all the, in fact, taking a lot of the poignancy out of it too, and trying to make it a tighter, more accessible half hour of jokes. It's the accessibility that becomes challenging when you're just suddenly, again, opening up to a big audience rather than your crowd in that room. Yeah. You know, totally. Yeah. And then, um, narrativizing it, was exciting because you get to think about everyone else's perspectives and all those other characters instead of just your own boring narcissism. Yeah. It's like thinking about girlfriends I've had and my, and other relationships in my life and how they might feel. And so that was, that was juicy. I think it's, I've always wanted to, to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's what is, is I love about it is all the different angles and perspectives kind of every character in the show has they're, points they're of evil mess. and points of, 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 of beauty. Oh, like, I'm glad. Even like, again, the, the the best friend of the girl who becomes your p- partner in it, that's not a big spoiler. It happens no, quite yeah, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a spoiler of the first five minutes or yeah. so. But, um, yeah, she's – I mean, I don't think I've despised anyone as much on screen in a long time. <laughs> but then there's a point towards the end where it is kind of flipped a little bit and feels far more human, but in a realistic way. It oh, doesn't good. feel like kind of – I've. Uh, I love Breaking Bad, but I got tired towards the, the end of it that it was going constantly 
from Walt White being this badass and then no, he's a good yeah. guy again. And then he's about, it's yeah. starting to lose the reality there. But, but this felt tr- true there. So how was that to kind of be open about the negative sides maybe of your own or your character's personality and the positive sides of people that you would probably demonise as a stand-up at a gig, someone who's on their phone or yeah. someone who's talking or someone who's heckling. It's easy <laughs> to go, oh, I can write them as an absolute piece of shit. This is great. Yeah. But then to find the positive and their angle on it. I think we tried to just think about everyone's bringing so much baggage into every moment of their lives and mm. and we really have no idea what what lens people are seeing the world through based on their experience and all so and all their personal wounds and even someone's like this that character you're talking about binky is like this super privileged posh kind of but of course she has her own insecurities and demons and yeah i think it's we tried to make it uh nuanced in that way and i I tried to be a harsh about myself as well and yeah 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 but that's what life is isn't it yeah completely and again it's 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 also it's it is realistic because we we see everything through our lens. So if someone is being a bitch, then yeah. we will see them as that. And then it can be as simple. Because, again, I don't want to give anything away, but with that one and with the, the, the businessman, it's one line of dialogue each time that makes you go, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess. And it's so – I love the simplicity of that. Rather than this long, here's pulling back the curtain, yeah. it's a simple line of, no, this. And you go, oh, that's oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, I guess that's... I remember reading this story about... um. Okay, so there's this woman and she moves into a house and then she's looking out her window and her neighbours just moved in and her neighbours hanging up their laundry and all the laundry's like streaked with shit and she's right. like horrified and, and judging her neighbours and just like, what is this what is this mess? And complaining to her husband that she eventually calls the police because she's like, this family, all their laundry is just covered in shit all the time and then the police man comes in and is like, your window is covered in shit. And so it's, she'd been looking through a dirty lens, right? Yeah. I love that. I think we do that so often where we have no idea how jaundiced our lens is that, and it's good to examine that. I think. Uh, How easy slash good slash damaging was it examining, I guess yourself in this role? Cause it's not a direct biographical story, but it's based on stuff that you've gone through and stuff that you've been through. And there is some real trauma over, sexuality and realizations of sexuality and your approach to relationships and there's addiction and stuff like that so how was it kind of having to face that on a regular basis on on drafts and redrafts could you distance yourself or was it kind of it was helpful writing with my, my i wrote with my best friend joe and and um that was helpful. I think if I was on my own I would have spiraled into some kind of madness but yeah. he he's very measured and very structure focused and so yeah it was easier to step back and look at it like that but then yeah particularly the uh, some of the addiction and coke stuff was hard and I hadn't really thought about that I'd been so worried about the sex scenes and being nervous and being exposed in that way that I've been obsessing over that and I just didn't occur to me really about how it would feel to be snorting some white powder and that was shit yeah 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 Yeah, I can imagine but it was all right um Put, I can't complain. I've put myself in this situation. I was, was going to say, um, was there having to be a balance? Yeah, in May the writer and May the actor. Because um, writing, you've got to write what's right for the scene, what's going to be amazing, what's going to be powerful. But then you're also going to have a point where you go, I've got to do this. I think. Do I want to do this? Well, yeah. Do I want to cut this out or change this? Because I don't know if I want to do this. If it was someone else... I'd almost feel more comfortable saying, here yeah. it is, you're a professional, you play this role. But when you know yeah. it's for yourself. 100%. I think I, because I'd never really acted before, I didn't yeah. know how it would feel. So I was like, yeah, well, I'll do that. And then now I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if we're, so we're starting to write more scripts and imagining, I mean, it, nothing's, that hasn't been recommissioned yet, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we're thinking about what it would be. And I wonder if I'll approach it differently, knowing what that felt like sometimes. And yeah. I just have to be careful. I don't like censor myself because i'm now like oh fuck that was scary yeah but um yeah i think i was lucky that i'd never really done anything like that so i thought oh yeah be fine i love it and uh, a weird sentence but the sex scenes were some of my favorite scenes oh, thanks. Um, because we haven't really seen human at points comedic at points awkward sex scenes from any kind of lgbt 
co- community. Thanks. The bisexual, I think, had some, and I, I, that's one of my f- favourite series of recent years. But you, the, the, I mean, they're fairly regular. The kind of the, the the awkward moments and the discomforts and the insecurities, and that felt important to s- see on screen because it doesn't feel as if they're trying to f- force an agenda or make a big no. statement. They're just human of things that people go through, and that yeah, I yeah, that. like they only come up in the script i mean there's only really two there's a lot of kissing but yeah. there, there's only really two sex scenes yeah. in it but they were always so crucial narratively like they, they yeah. had to move the plot forward somehow so hopefully there, there's no moment where it's like some voyeuristic like you just step back and watch people bang and like it had to be pretty intimate and yeah. And, and yeah often like painfully awkward and which sex can be and and it's a show about a relationship so it's going to come up but yeah, oh, I'm glad you like those. I think, yeah, it's it's, cool. it's it's great because as well, it's things like um, nerves over sexual performance. Over again, like one of the things that comes up is not being able to come, which yeah. is in so straight relationships. It's talked about all the time, and it's this major thing. I've n- never thought about it at all with 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 two women. Yeah, um, and it's it's. Completely a natural and, and, and huge thing. But, it's, yeah. yeah, it felt wonderful to – it felt – I don't know, the way it's p- presented, again, I loved all of these big topics are presented in quite a throwaway manner. Oh, good. And I mean that in the best way possible. That It's like, here's just this, here's what's going on, rather than here's the big drama over yeah. this moment. Are you ready for it, the general public? Yeah, We're here gonna it is. We're going to expose you to some yeah. stuff. It's going, no, this is day-to-day. This doesn't have to be – Yeah, because it is just thing. day-to-day in my life, so – yeah, that, and I think um, we try to, like, often when you see, especially with two women, those sex scenes and things, are, they're so, like, tender and exploratory, and they're usually written by a, a man or a straight person, so they're yeah. all, they're really beautiful and quite yeah. fit, but actually, gr- girls are horny, and they bang, and, and they have these characters, is one of the only things they have in common, it's that they like having sex with each yeah. other, because they're so different, yeah. so I think it it was important to show that. Because they're addicted to each other, so yeah. you had to show that that element of it. Yeah, I love that. And how important was it to you to get good representation of of of? Originally, I wrote it down as the gay scene, but it isn't strictly that. It's of life as a gay person because it's not it's not contained in the gay scene. It's 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 outside of it. It's dealing with people who don't know you're gay, dealing with people who don't know they're gay and, and just, yeah. just all sorts of, of things like that. So how important was that to kind of go, let's let's shine a light on something that people don't really know too much about? Well, I think I think not important. It, it wasn't something that we – because I think um, like there have been lots of shows about the gay scene, so like Queer as Folk and The L yeah. Word and stuff, but really in my life it's – I don't even have many gay friends, and not on purpose, but just because I'm so in the comedy scene and I moved to England and those became my friends I'm and so – it was just an honest depiction of my of my experience of, of being in the UK, which is like I hang out with straight male comedians or my best friends. And yeah. I, you know, I date women often who haven't been with girls before. And that, and so I'm, I hope that it's just one, like mainly we're like, we want to tell a show about addiction and I'm, and I'm the main character. So yeah. it's like going to be a part of it, you know, yeah. the gay bit. But yeah, yeah, I hope because... Those, the characters are not very comfortable with themselves and there's a lot of ambiguity and they're not – I don't think they even know how how they identify and yeah. there's a lot of fluidity. So I hope it's like raises interesting questions. Well, how how was it to kind of in, – in, in your stand-up, you will be playing yourself up there or you'll be yourself up there kind of thing. And in that instance, you can get across a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas, a lot of theories on society. Yeah. Bits really directly, that, you yeah, can just say them. <laughs> really direct, and that's it. There was elements of that in this, which I thought was great. But then I'm, I'm watching it, thinking, oh, I'd like to discuss that more. And I'm like, oh no, is that the views of May the character? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or May the the writer? You know, things yeah. like. So was that a fun part to kind of go right without it feeling false? Yeah. Let's get some little statements in and some little b- beliefs and stuff like that. Yeah, there's definitely. I'm trying to think of. Definitely in that breakup. Scene. Oh, that's a spoiler, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> uh, 
And in some of the stand-up, maybe in that yeah, same episode. Yeah, well, there was a bit, or... again, a bit that I liked because, again, it's something I've, I feel, I feel I'm straight because that's the world I grew up in and was exposed to. And there's a line where you're saying that you feel that everyone is, is bisexual or along a gradient of bisexuality, essentially. And things like that, I was like, I find that that fascinating, but n- n- never hear it discussed. Yeah. In, it always seems, I don't know, these taboo subjects now have no longer become taboo. They've become conflicting sides of a battle. Right, And yeah. they can't be discussed because so if you ask a question, then you're against yeah, yeah, it yeah. and all that kind of thing. And it's, yeah. It's so politicised, isn't it? Yeah. And, like, even in in promoting it, I've it's been, like, sometimes quite highly charged in the conversations. But, yeah, it's, like, bisexuality is, the, I mean, I guess both the characters in this are bi. Yeah. And they, yeah, I guess that I, I remember reading years ago that the definition of bisexuality is recognizing within yourself the potential to be attracted to more than one gender, not necessarily to the same degree and not necessarily at the same time. It's such a broad definition. I think so many people fit, fit into that. Yeah. For sure, there's people at either ends of the spectrum who are fully gay and fully straight, but I think like most people I know can be like, oh, I had a crush on that person or I had a sex dream or I have... Yeah, so I think it's crazy. We're just so afraid of, of the labels. So that's why I think... The way forward is to get rid of them. Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree. So uh, I w- I run the notes I've got, and it's interesting that you were, were saying you'd not really acted before this, but you're really good at playing yourself. S- and Thanks. that's something that is something that people will can overlook because it can be really hard. Like we were discussing before we started that a, f- a, a mutual friend of ours had written a TV show and based one character on someone. That person came in and auditioned and couldn't play themselves. Yeah. Because it is a weird jump because it sounds easy to play yourself, but what you're doing day to day is speaking naturally and what comes into your head. Yeah. Often quite unplanned, particularly on podcasts. Um, (laughs) But what you're doing in a, when you're playing yourself in something is saying these written words, planned out words. And it's, it's a completely, it can be more jarring than if you're playing a character. So, so, so yeah, how did you find that? I thought it was amazing how n- natural it felt and how it didn't feel oh, like thanks. you weren't experienced in it, if that makes sense. Oh, that's really nice because I have no idea. how. I, I still, <laughs> I'm in a vacuum still, so I, yeah. I don't know. But I think um, definitely it was the hardest character to write. Like it was a lot easier to think about George's perspective or, or yeah. my my girlfriend in it or my sponsor. But I think I, I, we, my co-writer and I just really tried to in writing it, think of it as a separate character and, and think of that emotional arc and how to tell a really satisfying emotional story where yeah. someone goes from point A to point B and and adhere to the rules of storytelling. So that helped because obviously life is not organized in that nice yeah, way or tied course. up with a bow like that. So when you have to impose a order onto chaos like that, it kind of forces you to distill things into a character. Um, yeah. And, and 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 how was it to kind of litter in stories and tales and moments and realities from your real disorganized life into yeah. this planned arc of this like here we can have this happen here this did happen to me but it happened f- five years away from yeah. what we're actually talking about there but it fits there and goes in nicely yeah really satisfying yeah. and really and to really put some fun order in your own history as exactly such. yeah i think so many people that it should have gone this way around yeah let's, let's rearrange it i mean music must be similar in a way and yeah. that you're yeah you're taking kind of chaotic feelings and then it there is it is kind of cathartic to see them all and presented in a way that's yeah that, that it makes exactly more sense how i've always it. done music is i, I always say because people assume all of my music is all um Non-fiction. Yeah. It's like, no, it's all fiction. It's yeah. drawing from real emotions yeah. and real moments, but then making a fictional story and it all fit in here and make this thing. And it allows you to be that open and honest, I guess. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of honesty in this show, but I'd imagine because it's a fictional narrative, it allows you to be even more non-fiction, totally. I guess, than you would if it was this straight, here's how my life happened. Yeah, because it's the... S- the- sit down, here's what happened <laughs> yeah. in my life, I've got to tell you. Because, like, the real honesty is about the the feelings. So, yeah, which you can take a really real and really raw emotion and then and then think, how do I narrativize that or fictionalize it? And then, yeah. so, yeah, even though the events might be masked or whatever, the, the truth of that emotion is there. Yeah, 
you're right. It can totally be more honest than if you like. I, there's this um, Stephen King novella, The Body, that Stand by Me was based on, right. and it's a great little like autobiographical. It's so different to all his other stuff, but he always said that he. It's about a group of boys coming of age, and they go to find a dead body. Right. And he was like, I had to put the dead body in there to allow me to get into the like really real emotions with these boys right, and, and to yeah. have it be more honest and without that. So he had to throw in a crazy genre thing to be that honest. You know what I mean? I love that, though. You just have to f- throw in one lie and yeah. then you be more <laughs> yeah. honest than anything in the world ever because it's like, well, that never happened. I never found a dead body. Yeah. So this isn't about me. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Everything else in it is 100% my emotions and all that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Well, I mean, as I'm sure a lot of the press interviews you've had – have done. I've banged on about LGBT stuff for the first half of this chat, <laughs> but it's not really about that. It's it, it is a show about addiction. Um, Thanks. It just happens to have gay relationships yeah. in it and other uh, relationships, but it's it's a show about addiction. So more than the kind of exposure, I guess, of sex scenes, of relationship emotions. How was it going down that route of of addiction and the effect it has on the individual, on the on those around the individual, on the family of the individual? How yeah. how was that to kind of ch- jump into and and try and tell that story honestly? It's something I'm really interested in, um, and yeah, had done a lot of stand up about, and obviously I've thought about a lot in my life in like processing my own adolescence and and experiences and stuff so yeah it was it was super interesting and there's a guy called Gabor Matei who's like an addiction specialist and we use some of his like his definition of addiction is um something that you crave and find relief in and do compulsively despite knowing intellectually the negative consequences that it's having and yeah I think so many people can relate to that it's quite, quite a universal thing and it could be food or your phone or a relationship or whatever so yeah, it felt good to kind of humanize addiction in that way and be like, it's it's not just this small group of people who can't handle their shit. It's yeah, like yeah. all of us do that. You There's know? so many variations of addiction. Totally. And that's what I liked in the show as well was the, the honesty of that. It was clearly written from people who respect the subject and have experience in the, the subject because it wasn't as black and white as here's, here's, here's the issue, here's the strict rules that you have to adhere to to be clean or to yeah. be this or to be that. Because there are there are grey areas. There are points yeah. where you, you your character and her sponsor have a drink somewhere. But yeah. they're not addicted to alcohol. But again, it, yeah. I, I think a, a lot of shows paint it as addiction is addiction. If you're addicted, then you can't have anything ever. Yeah. And it can become a really tough thing, particularly when you bring in – I spoke to Marcus Brigstock about this. You bring in, for, for example, food addiction. Yeah. Because that's an addiction that you can't go cold turkey on. You can't, or literally, but yeah. <laughs> you, like, you can't just say, I'm not going to have anything because you have to have something. And that's yeah. the nuance of addiction. The 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 generally portrayed version on TV is you've got a problem, you join AA or NA, and you either relapse or you don't. Yeah. And it's if you relapse, it's a huge spiral. If yeah. you don't, it's not. And not to give anything away in this there are kind of there's wobbles here and there yeah but it's not necessarily always the catalyst or the trigger of now we're going off on this horrendous thing yeah yeah and i think that's been true in in my life i'm a big supporter of like harm reduction therapies where it's a little less i've I've done i go to na meetings and stuff but i I definitely pick and choose what i take from from those groups and and i i still drink occasionally and casually and um yeah, so I think it's so different for everyone. So yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you that you felt that. Is, do you know? I mean, this is completely not to do with the show at all. But do yeah. you know if it's intentional that they're called Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, and the first thing you have to do is stand up and s- say your name and say I'm, is, is that part yeah. of it? That it's, it's, it's just I was thinking of it the <laughs> that other day. Is I was like, weird. It's yeah. anonymous, yet the first thing you do is say your name. Get, give over your anonymity. I, I don't know. Yeah, that could be the big deep part of it and intentional, but. And I also think it's weird that you you have to start, I mean, such a big part of it is saying I'm an addict and, and really identifying with that label in a way. And, and I don't know sometimes how helpful that is. So, you know, to be constantly telling yourself this narrative that you're 
you're an addict and that becomes a huge part of your identity. So I've found that an interesting thing because you want to be vigilant about it. Yeah, you don't want to be like too cavalier, yeah. but you also don't want to be totally defining yourself that way. So I think that, that the character is struggling with that too. Yeah, I agree. And it, it is really interesting. I had a mate who went to AA and stopped going because he was like, no, I'm not, I'm not an addict. I'm not, I'm yeah. not in as bad a place as the people there or this and that. Yeah. But in, in the opinion of some of his friends at the time, it, it was affecting his life. Yeah. You may not be locking yourself in a hotel room for five days on a binge, but it's affecting your life. So again, I think you're, you're right there is that the, the need in those situations to identify as a certain thing can make you move away from any resolution yeah, to what totally. your issues are. I think there needs to be more flexibility or, or to be, cause if, yeah, you need to be able to ask questions about it. It also mm. becomes a little cultish. So you need to be able yeah. to say, wait, explain this to me. And isn't there some nuance here or yeah. So I think that's important, but I've also found those meetings really helpful. So, and a lot of people do, but it's like, yeah, it's interesting. Isn't well, that's it? exactly it. It's that modern society's kind of need to have a so, fix-all solution yeah. to everything. That that's going to be right for everyone. It's not. Yeah. What I like about your character in the show is you are the dismissive of NA initially, and even at the end, you're still quite dismissive of a lot <laughs> of it. But there's certain things that you've got from it, and as a show, it does that. It 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 at points laughs at it. Yeah. And then there's one particular point, particularly with the the businessman guy where it's really powerful and beautiful. And it's like, well, right. That, that shows how strong and important yeah. these things can be. So again, I like that, the nuance there to go, we want to discuss this, but we don't want to just tell you it will fix everything, but we also don't want to just dismiss it. So was, was there a lot of challenge in finding the balance when speaking on LGBT subjects and addiction subjects? Cause they are such, Hot button, Intimate like and personal as well. They are, yeah. they are, they are like hot topics, but also there's so much emotion and personal history yeah. attached to it by the people who are going through that. Yeah. So any representation you don't want to tr- trigger them. I hate that the word yeah. tr- trigger has now been turned into an insult, but you genuinely you, you don't want to affect someone in a negative way from your telling of this or approaching of this subject. Yeah, I am, and I am worried about that a bit. Yeah, we'll see I, what the reaction will be because. Yeah, all I can do is do my, my personal experience with it and, and trust that that's all right and I'm allowed to, to say that. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure maybe some people will, will disagree with it. Again, if, if, if it feels honest and respectful to oh, me. Good, and okay. it feels like, so. yeah, it doesn't feel preachy. It's, it's one of the things that I wanted to really get across on this podcast that it's not some agenda-pushing. Yeah, like, I mean, because good, of the yeah. big subjects in it, Obviously, we're going to discuss those things a lot in a podcast because yeah, yeah. that's what podcasts do. But I watched it very relaxed and Good, very yeah. en- enjoyed myself. It's not, it just happens to have these big, big topics in there that it's, can yeah. hopefully then stem these kind of conversations. But it's not, yeah. oh, you have to sit down and get through this lecture of a, Good. Um, of a show kind of yeah, thing. Fuck, so, it's, I mean, I hope it's funny and it's definitely just a love story as yeah. well. And like, I'm so romantic. So I hope that people just like, really invest in the couple and want to see yeah. what happens to them and are rooting for them. But yeah, I think the, all the characters in NA, cause like we know that addiction is not about just an addictive substance. Cause lots of people yeah. do drugs and never get addicted. So they're all those people have some thing going on underneath that means that they're looking for that extra relief in, in their life. So I, I think that's sort of what it's about. People digging into that. You know? Yeah. I love that again, the parallels and it's touched upon uh, with the kind of, the quote you gave earlier that the addiction can be to to the, the addiction or, to love can be as strong as the addiction to cocaine totally, or, or yeah. to to yeah to the emotions and all these other things yeah. um, how was it kind of the casting of it all because the cast is amazing um charlotte ritchie isn't she so good she's in this? amazing and fresh meat was was one of my favorite shows Same. and she's done some great stuff since but this felt so good and she felt so natural and i'm and really real got, in it yeah i think she's so wicked in it she's yeah. so vulnerable and um yeah it's a side of her i think people haven't seen and um because she's so likable she can that character can do like horrible things and yeah. you still are like you know but again it's the reality of it as, yeah. as well because she is so likable but then she'll say something harsh 
but you'll be sitting there as a viewer kind of thinking, yes, yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that needed to be said kind of thing yeah. and things like that. And yeah, it's a really, yeah, she, was, she's great at that kind of, yeah, that kind of delivery, I guess. And her timing is so good. We, we, we wrote with her in mind and um, Brilliant. Joe went, my co-writer went to university with her and oh, I, I met her in 2012, I think. And yeah. um, so we've been friends for a while. And so we, we did the, a pilot together and that she auditioned for it. We had to do two auditions because the first one we couldn't look at each other and we're laughing so much. <laughs> so everyone in the, the producers were like, oh, well, obviously she can't yeah. be in this. because we make this Yeah, show? you can't keep it together. Yeah. But then we did another audition and then the pilot. And then so by the time we came to the series, we were very much writing with her in mind and, and we know what we find funny about her and and that helped a lot. And you can write really specific compliments about someone when you know who they are. And yeah. <laughs> so that was great. And yeah, by the time we came to film, we got over all our nerves. I was, was, was going to ask that because there's so much in the in the dialogue that is so specific, <laughs> um, compliments-wise and joke-wise and insult-wise almost, of of your two characters in particular, but all of the characters as well. So did you have a lot of the cast in mind by the time you were writing or was there a lot that was kind of added down the line or on set? Or, we or added a lot in rehearsals for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, uh, but we had Lisa Kudrow in mind, but that, but only as a you, fantasy. You, you, your mum is Phoebe from Friends. This yeah. is just the most, <laughs> I, I mean, if you can see, that's a bit in, in capital letters oh on my, my notes. Yeah, that's insane. Because it's literally, I was like, I can't how, believe how must it. that be? It's so surreal, man. I can't deal with it. It's insane. Yeah, it was just a fantasy. Like, it's just so much easier to write with people in mind. And I've been watching the comeback and, uh, yeah. I just love her. And so yeah. we were like, oh, you know, someone quite commanding and yeah. keenly intelligent like she is, Lisa. And that's and what's been great of her roles since Friends is she is the kind of, as you said, she's quite the the powerful yeah, presence. Like a, rather than of, the, the airy kind of Phoebe from Friends. There is a real dominance Like a steeliness, yeah. yeah. And then it makes you think what a character performance Phoebe was because yeah. that's so not what she's like so yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah that was unreal I couldn't believe she said yes and then came to Blackpool for a week and yeah. like she was eating um all we had to offer her was digestive biscuits like there was no craft <laughs> services or anything yeah. and, and luckily she was like obsessed with digestives so, yeah. so she was like these are delicious and then uh and then she ended up um <laughs> getting really into the digestives so yeah I love it I love the you know opening up Americans to the diversity of the digestive biscuit that it can yeah. be a savory snack or it can be a dessert. It this is be, my new mission in life. It can be all things. You can add some cheese or you can add some chocolate. Absolutely. There's, it can go anywhere that biscuit. Um dip it. Yeah, exactly. Give it to a toddler. There's so much that can be done there. Um the other person that, that jumped out to me instantly was Al Roberts. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I adore him in Stafflet's Flats. I've never seen him in anything else before that and he was wonderful and in this He's playing a very different yeah. character. He's but such a He's wonderful. Ball, yeah. He's such a his delivery again, it feels like anyone else delivering his lines at times would seem just so ludicrous and unrealistic. Yeah. Because he says just some of the stupidest or most preposterous <laughs> or offensive stuff. But you really believe that there's someone out there who would believe that is a chat up line or believe that is an acceptable yeah. thing to say to anyone else let alone uh, someone that you're trying to woo in any way yeah and, yeah he's so funny he he was in the pilot as well and we knew we were desperate for him to because he takes any line and just elevates it like yeah you're right there's stuff that yeah no one else could pull off yeah. i think he's yeah. i used to live with him and um oh, and then i lived with him in edinburgh as well one summer and i just think he's so so funny he's got such a unique way about him and then uh He's such a funny improviser too. So there's stuff we had to cut that I wish we didn't have to cut. There's a line where he's trying to pick up George, my girlfriend. He's trying to like crack onto her, and he says, uh, "I have a spare ticket to my uncle's podcast recording." And then, uh, and then we cut. But someone said, "Oh, what's it about?" And he went, "Death." <laughs> it was so <laughs> funny and quick that he thought of that on the spot. Death. He's, he's oh, and wonderful. then they, and then we did another take, and they said, "What's it about?" And he said, "My other uncle." <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it's amazing. It was, <laughs> How is that kind of when you're, you're 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 writing a show because it's something I think a lot, particularly about the comedy industry, is everyone knows each other. So Very when you're incestuous. writing something, or, the, or that's it, incestuous, and also there'll be people that you're really close to who you've not put in, and that must be weird as well because you must be thinking, well, I need to put 
my best friend in, yeah. but there isn't. It doesn't fit. So how is that kind of the benefit and the negative of knowing all these amazing characters essentially that you can just go, I can write it with our yeah. minds and it's perfect. But then, but what can I write for totally. this person or for that person? I know you have to be really dispassionate and really just think about the characters. So there are only like Al and Jack Berry, who's one of the comedians yes. we really wrote with, with them in mind. And then everyone else was, we just had a, a really brutal audition process. And Steen in there is, yeah, as well. in there. Cause, cause that's it. The, the weird part is normally for my prep, I'll go through the IMDB as well to go, Oh, that oh, right. was that person. It's not all up on IMDB yet. So I was really yeah. like, it, it made it a test for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know that person from somewhere. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> having to hunt them down. But we, I think we also wanted to surprise ourselves with casting. So there are people yeah. like, yeah, like Tom Durant Pritchard um, right. plays Hugh in it. Binky's yes. boyfriend is yeah, yeah, so yeah. funny. And yeah. I think our first instinct was, instinct was to go with a comedian for that part. Yeah. But um, actually, he's such an amazing actor that he just plays the, tr- the truth of that guy. So Yeah, the horrible truth yeah, of that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's loads of... <laughs> and Ophelia Lovebond is just so good as Binky. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing because I've, I've always kind of... I've discussed it on the podcast before and my... I try to be as open as possible, but the one prejudice I still have to fight is posh people. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I naturally start off on the wrong foot, which isn't fair because some of the best people I know now are yeah. these wonderful posh people. But it's it, it, it makes it easy to write a villain yeah. of the piece as such because these Binky and, 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 and her partner, they're so outrageous but also you know they exist yeah. you know they're 100% realistic and so regular yeah. in, in society so it means that you can yeah those uh, are all some of the things that Binky says are so horrifically homo- homophobic and all sorts of things like that but it's like well no she w- she wouldn't be aware of that no again, yeah it's... she's not a bad person she's just they're in such a bubble those characters and yeah. those are all interactions that I've had often with people that then become my friends or, yeah. or or other comedians and and things like that. Like, yeah, Binky's saying that, you know, your hair is so funny or, like, things like that that you don't think about and they think they're being nice, but yeah. you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's yeah. really nice. So um, how was it kind of before all of this in <laughs> real life May rather than, than, than TV show May? Yeah. How was it coming over to the UK and, 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 and having to – try and become part of the comedy scene, have a life that may involve the gay scene. How was that as a, as a transition? When was it a choice and decision that you made? Um, I was dating someone in Toronto who wanted to come over and do a master's degree here. Right. And I have a British passport. My dad's British. Um, and I had, my grandma was here. And so we said we'd go for two years. And then... Um, I became obsessed with it. She finished her degree and was like, I'm, I'm fucking off. And I was like, Oh, I love it. I'll stay. And then, uh, so we broke up and, and I stayed and it took a long time to find my social niche, I think. But luckily yeah. with doing comedy, there's such a, there's such blurred lines between your social world and your professional and work, world. Yeah. yeah. Cause you're in a bar and it's nighttime. So it's, it's the same with podcasting. I, I'll realize yeah. that I've not spoken to anyone other than in podcast yeah. format <laughs> yeah, for a yeah. week, but I've had these amazing conversations. I feel completely fulfilled yeah, yeah. socially in conversations. Like, Oh, I don't know any of these people. They're just totally. people I spent an hour really getting deep with. And then I've gone home and, yeah. and relaxed. It's, or even doing it's a good combination. Doing gigs. I mean, you must yeah. feel you're like, yeah, but it's like, no, you were just speaking. It was a one-sided conversation with yeah, an audience. Exactly. But it feels like you've really got out yeah, of the house. Yeah, That can be, yeah, yeah. a troubling thing. But, yeah, so <laughs> it all kind of, that helped you kind of. Yeah, and I, I had, my dad grew up in London and I used, like I went to school in England for a year when I was a kid and we used to come every Christmas and every summer. So it wasn't a massive culture shock, but it definitely took a while. Like I didn't know. When we first moved, we saw Reading on a map and we'd found this cheap flat in Reading and we were like, that's close to London. We'll just live in Reading and work in London. We just didn't, it didn't occur to us. Yeah. The reality of living in Reading and commuting to London. So things I like mean, that. you could have just ended it as the reality of living in Reading. Yeah, it's, I it's, almost it's, did. It's and then I thought I didn't want to piss off <laughs> Reading people. But no, it is interesting because, because like when I've had, it's, it's weird because it would have been the acclimatizing to the British way that made you realise how much of an issue that was. Because all my American mates, like when we're touring and stuff over here, 
we'll be getting up going, oh, it's a a three-hour drive today for the next gig. And the American artists who tour America all the time will be like, yeah, it's a flight. That's, to the that's a, yeah, it's a flight, and then a car, and yeah. then this, and then that. It's like so. It is quite British to be. Oh, come on! It's two hours out of London. Yeah, I, I can't be doing that. Or ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, can't be true. doing that every day. And it's like, oh, actually, it's yeah. It might be doable and balanceable. And the sense of humour is the the same. So that was easy, I think. Um, is there a good comedy scene in Canada? Yeah. So, so were you already? I was already doing your, it. Your, your, your way there. Yeah, it? like I started when I was 13 in Canada, so I'd been doing wow. it almost 10 years already when I came here. That's fantastic. And then, yeah. But that's, Canada's a great place to learn, but unfortunately it's just not the infrastructure and like financial support from the, the government and, yeah. and, and from a peripheral industry. So it's really like do it yourself, like comedians producing their own shows and tours and there's yeah. no like help. So, so it's such a good place to learn, but then um, – just the scale of it in London is crazy. Yeah. I can't well, believe it. I mean, speaking of, of, of help, and this is a weird one here because mm. it's something that I don't know the answer to and it's something I'm, I'm weighing up a lot at the moment. The kind of the balance between or conflict, I guess, between a, a representation, whether that be of genders, sexualities, of races versus kind of companies cashing in on on the pink pound on 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 these different things and i think a black panther and wonder woman things like that are are great examples of where it's a really blurred line because i think they were both really important powerful films for scenes but i also think that marvel and and dc didn't care that much about them being this powerful thing they just went well, we're going to get a huge audience purely because it's the black superhero or it's the female right. superhero. How do you find that as as a balance? Because there is, it is obviously, we are in a, a socially progressing time, so there will be people, particularly in places like Channel Four and Netflix, who care about getting this diversity. But there will also be like a areas that are going, of- yeah. Well, you know, it's good for us; it makes us look good. Or yeah. there's we're always. As, as, as I say to my partner, brands need to learn that releasing, and they have learned now, but releasing vegan versions of their food is great because they don't have to spend any money on advertising because yeah. all vegans tell other vegans when yeah. there's something new that's <laughs> vegan. It's a real good word of mouth thing. Yeah. And there's similar things there in LGBT community. There will be, as soon as there's a new LGBT show, it will be spread naturally and organically yeah. rather than needing necessarily a huge marketing campaign so yeah. yeah how do you you find that or do you just go fuck it i'm getting to make a show i'm not going to question what everyone else's motives are yeah i mean we're so we're still <laughs> so early in in this period where diverse stories are being told that i'm like yeah. i'll yeah i'll take it if yeah. i can yeah, yeah. get it i don't care if there's some cynical businessman behind it yeah because it's still at the end at the end of the day as long as it's not let's say a group of straight businessmen who are like we're gonna make a lesbian show and then they make some bizarre misrepresentation, which happens, I think, because they're like, we've got to take that, but they don't have any actual yeah. queer people behind it. So as long as it's authored by someone who has something to say about that subject, then I think it's great. I, and, and yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I think cause it is still, like, because there's so much conversation around it that we get the, someone, someone said to me the other day, like, oh, you can't win any awards unless you're black and trans anymore. And I was like, I can't think of anything that's won an award that's black and trans. I, no. I'm looking at the BAFTA nominees. That I don't know where that that comes from. It's just because it's in the news a lot. Yeah, but yeah, actually, completely. the reality is it's not like where you'll see people be like, oh, the awards nominees are dominated by women this year. That was some Edinburgh right. award thing. But it was like three out of ten were women. But it was like – but. Yeah, but they just said that they were dominant. You know what I mean? And equally, people need to realise – because I, I spoke to – to Josie Long about this ages ago because I was kind of saying it's, it is a weird one because I don't want to base any like booking of guests for example on anything other than they're an interesting guest yeah but she kind of made a point and I kind of the way I I, I, I reposition it in my head is if you're a kid this feels like I'm going on a really long weird tangent no I'm with you but if you're if you're, <laughs> if you're a, a, an eight year old Boy, and you've got your gang, and there's 20 of you. And, yeah. you, and it's boys only because girls are gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, but each year, 
say five people leave and you get five new people in each year, you turn at nine and one of the five new people is a girl because there's this, this girl on the block who's just one of the lads. She's yeah. really good fun. She's cool. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so May joins the gang. Yeah, I'm on, on my skateboard. But then you get to like 12 and, you know, there's one girl and 19 boys still and you're kind of like, man, actually, girls are really good. I really I, I like girls. The correct way to balance rebalance that isn't to go 50-50 on the new intake. The correct way to balance that would go, let's have five girls join. Right. So now we're at, we're still heavily in the male side. So it's, it's not as simple as, oh, well, I've decided that we're now going to have equality, therefore we're going to employ an equal amount of boys and an equal amount of girls. If you're already heavily on the, the male side of things, then you need to push harder in that to get that that representation and, and yeah. balance and equality. And that's where people, I think, get a bit confused or defensive. Yeah. Because they go, no, I'm not racist. We're also I in, think everyone's equal. Totally. But they're not allowed to be equal yet. They're not at a level of being equal yet. Exactly. Like, we're in a transition period. So you, yeah. you can say, well, it should be a total meritocracy and it should be only the people that have the utmost experience. But we're, we're right at the crust of centuries of... Of oppression, so there yeah. aren't going to be the people, the diverse people with that level. Sometimes I, don't, I can't think of a specific example, but like then, no, you know no, what I mean? I agree. Yeah, so you, you 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 sort of have to proactively and think of all the people that you haven't heard about that are amazing because they just haven't their voices haven't been amplified or whatever. So yeah, we, yeah, we are in this tricky time where it's very easy to, for people to be like, it's, that's unfair that you know someone would get a job over me. But you got to look at it in the context of human history yeah you know and again in in just if, if you look at a, a, a meritocracy like again people will argue now that you can't get a project m- made or off the ground if you're if you're not gay female or a person of color and you kind of go well you know that for the last like 10 15 years the white males running all of this have just been remaking everything yeah they're out of ideas yeah that, that's <laughs> yeah, why yeah. we need a variation because We've got the third Ghostbusters reboot on its way. And yeah. it's like, you know, there's more and more. It's just let's do the same thing over and over again. That's why we need That's more it. diverse voices and more diverse stories because yeah. the white male story has been told plenty and we've clearly r- r- run out. So That's interesting. And, and, and also I think it's totally not true that you can't get something away. But I think also, like, we should, we're just trying to... Uh, represent a more realistic cross-section of society so if if it's often just about yeah including like a a sprinkling of diversity or to reflect your real life like i it's like it's been so unrealistically white like it's been shows where you're like it's so unrealistic that there would be no that everyone is white in this you know yeah sort of weirdly so it's more like oh can we actually just reflect what the world is like where someone would be gay at that office someone would be black like and that's True, true, true representation. Where, yeah. And again, it's, I think, again, I think it's what you do well in the show is where it's not your character's sexuality is one part of the story. It's not the main focus of the story. It's not the main focus of the struggle. It's just a natural thing. There's an actress I had on called, called Angel Jufria, sorry, who's only got, got one arm and has a, has a, a robotic arm. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It can really? spin round. It's got light. She does a lot of cosplay stuff and plays Whoa. like, she covers it in blood to be, or just all sorts oh, of weird stuff. She's amazing. She's on social media. I recommend it. But she's an actress or an actress. Sorry. And she, and she, and she was saying how she only gets cast as the amputee person. Right. And she got a role in something where she was just a waitress and it was a tiny role, but it meant the world to her because it wasn't, amputee waitress yeah. or one-armed waitress it was just waitress and she happened to have yeah. a robotic arm and that's where we need to get with all of these things have characters who it's not their main defining feature that they're gay or that they're yeah. this or that it's just that happens to be who they are yeah because like no wonder people have this sort of like oh it's going to be a trans character talking about being trans and stuff because that's how they're being that's how it's being written yeah so yeah it would be awesome if there were trans characters that didn't that, it wasn't a big deal yeah or like yeah so i hope we're trying i mean yeah it's definitely a, a thread in the show but i hope it's not like the main 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm pushing all the time for more characters who just happen to have a stutter, but that's just because yeah. I want more work. <laughs> right, um, yeah. <laughs> and I can get my stutter under control, but it's easier not to. Yeah, So totally. it'd be good if it was just a character. It's like, he just happens to stutter. On, yeah. on half the scripts I'm working on, any role that I'm thinking is me is like, oh, by the way, he happens to have a stutter every yeah. now and then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 we're not going to annotate it, but it will come yeah. up every now and then. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, that's a great so, idea. <laughs> so to, to kind of wrap things up, What's ahead, if if you can even think ahead? Obviously, it's a project that you've been working on for five years. Yeah. It's not out yet. That must be all you're thinking of. But I think the beauty of working stand-ups is that you also have to just get on with your life. You can't yeah. just sit there and wait for this thing to come out. You will be gigging constantly and doing all these other things. Yeah. See, see, see what's the plan? Well, you can't take your eye off the ball, yeah. And I, and I get rusty so fast if I don't gig. Yeah. So, like, tonight I've been, I've been doing a press all day for Feel Good and then tonight I'm doing a, an hour-long work in progress of a new show that I'm trying to develop and, and tour in, like, May and June and yeah. try and... Um, but yeah, I, it, it just I, I feel like I'm in a really weird limbo because I have no idea how the show will be received and I just, I don't know... I don't know, anything. So we'll see. I'll kind of go to LA and promote it, I hope. And like, I have another thing in development uh, with Netflix that's like a sort of, I don't know if I can talk about it, but that'll be cool. Yeah. It's fine. Those handcuffs of of things going even remotely well always means it's it's all stuff I'm really excited about, but I can't tell anyone about it at all at the moment. But mainly, I'd love to to do more feel good. We feel like we've got more stories to tell with those characters so i hope that happens that'd be sick it's definitely exciting because i think there is it is a time where because of things like netflix and people being willing to partner with netflix a lot of the stuff that channel four have done with netflix has gone huge globally because of that because of, of of that availability all over the place i totally get what a tight spot broadcasters are in here and because it's yeah, it's that competition from streaming platforms is so intense, but it is for artists amazing to it's, get that level of exposure. It's why, and again, I mean, we're sitting in Channel 4, so it's yeah. not really a topic to have, discussion to have, but it's why it's so annoying watching this debate about the BBC licence fee at the moment and people are, are wanting to scrap it, is they don't realise that that fee funds so much stuff that wouldn't happen. It's yeah. been the education for so many people who go on to work at Channel 4, who go on to work at Netflix. So many directors, producers, everything yeah. come from the funding of the BBC to be able to get projects off the ground. Um, but that's not what we see as consumers. Yeah. We go, well, well, there's only two shows I watch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's four shows I watch on Netflix, so why can't it be subscription? But it's And it's the same with... Uh, at Channel Four is you you, yeah. you you might go oh everything I watch is on Netflix now it's like yeah but who's making those shows and yeah who's, who's making the first show of the person who made that show yeah who's who, the, who gave them their first break that they failed out miserably and it was awful totally. unwatchable but they wouldn't be able to make the thing you love if they hadn't done yeah. that in the first place that's definitely the case with with me and and like BBC Radio Four first yeah. kind of giving nurturing my like giving me a chance yeah. and then yeah and then Channel Four yeah, totally. And I don't think that would happen in the States. You can't just go to Netflix and be like, I'm an up and coming. Can I, can you give me some space to try shit out? Yeah, like, just want to experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of figure things out for a bit. Yeah, whereas like, I remember the BBC sending me on like a writer's retreat where, you know, they, they send groups wow, of writers yeah. and it was just like a weekend paid for where I got to sit and write with writers. I'm like, nothing like that happens in Canada. It was such a cool thing. And that's, I'm sure, the licensing fee. Yeah, <laughs> must completely. Be. But it's the stuff that people who argue about it online can't see. And any time you try and have a rational debate about it, they go, they'll go, well, if it's so good, everyone will pay for it. If it becomes optional, then it's like, it's not the point. No, you, won. Yeah. You, you won. You won. Yeah. You're an idiot. Exactly. You don't understand the kind of the, 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 the behind the scenes of it all. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of social media, where can people find you online? On Twitter, I'm at the May Martin, and then and it's May spelled M A E, yeah, M A E, yeah. Just in case anyone like May West struggles really hard to find that complex code, yeah. it's pretty easy to find. But yeah, <laughs> and then Instagram, I'm Hooray May, um, yeah, yeah. Hit me up, you know. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank for you so time, much, particularly the end of a busy day and the beginning of a busy evening so i really appreciate you not being completely asleep and being no this was like such a joy and and you're so thoughtful and great i really enjoyed it thank you thank you very much cheers 
You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was May Martin. Um, as you will have heard, I loved that chat. I felt it was the perfect l- length. I felt it was lovely. I felt we agreed on so much stuff. And I was just fanboying out a bit because, I, as said, this new show, Feel Good, I think it's awesome. I really, really do. So keep an eye out for that. And keep an eye out for next week's Distraction Pieces podcast with Neve Algar. I will see you all next week. Ta-ta.